You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. shepherd. How many of you have read the 23rd Psalm lately? It's a good psalm. It's one that we should read often. Amen. And we're going to do it today. We're going to read it today. Okay. So uh, if you have your Bibles or if it's going to be on the screen there, I don't know. Uh, Psalm 23. Is it on the screen or not? Okay. And you might want to read with your Bibles as well, okay? Some of you can probably even quote this, right? All right. The Lord, come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray over the word today. Father, we love you and we thank you and we thank you for your word today. And we just pray that the mighty anointing that rests upon that word would be mixed with that anointing that abides in each and every one of us as your people. And Lord, we just thank you right now that your word is quick and it is powerful and is able to change our hearts, change our lives, encourage us and help us to walk uprightly before you. We thank you for this, this day in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> this psalm has ministered to more people uh, on sick beds in hospitals and people who were uh, on their deathbeds dying or to prisoners behind bars uh, at more funerals and recited by more people than any other psalm in the Bible. Usually if you go to a funeral home, many times they'll have the little funeral card or some kind of a uh, thing with a little outline of the funeral or the person, the deceased person, and there you will have that little card that will have Psalm 23 on it. And we will, uh, that will be a source of comfort uh, to those who are bereaved and those who are grieving over the loss of their loved one. It's a psalm that was written by a king who was once a shepherd himself, King David. And he sees the parallel between a shepherd caring for his sheep, and God's care for his own soul and his well-being. 
And that's the way that we read this psalm as well when we read it. And it starts out with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not only the shepherd of multitudes of people, which he is, but he's not only that, or to the world at large. David was saying, he is my shepherd. He shepherds me. He cares for me. And in the same way that David cared for sheep when he was younger, uh, he says, God cares for me. Uh, as a matter of fact, before we go too far, the shepherd was a really lowly job at that time. It was, some, it was the most mundane kind of a thing. Uh, the youngest person in the family usually was the one, if they were sheep herders, uh, the, the youngest one in the family was the one who did most of the care for the sheep. Amen. Which Jesus is called our great shepherd, which shows the humility of God to come down and dwell among us and to be a servant unto, unto us. Amen. He came to serve. He came to serve. And he teaches us to do the same thing, that we serve. We serve him and we serve each other. Amen. But he said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's actually a name, one of the Jehovah names of God, just the, that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, the Lord, Jehovah Rohi. It's a name, it's a compound name of God, Jehovah Rohi, and it, and it breaks down to this, the Lord my shepherd. <clears throat> and so David says, he is my shepherd. And then the next thing, I shall not want. It's not a way that we speak in our terms today. We would say, I shall not lack. But people think of wanting something when you, when you read this word, but it's actually saying, I shall not go without. I shall not be lacking. He will provide for me everything that I could ever need in this world and in this life. Amen. And David acknowledged that about his good shepherd. And we acknowledge that about our good shepherd as well. He'll provide everything that you have need of. Now, there are some people that say, hey, I, I want him to provide this for me and he didn't do it. That may not be a need in your life. But if there's a true need in your life, God will provide it for you. Doesn't mean that you sit back on your duff and wait for him to rain it out of heaven. He may provide a job for you so that you have food on the table for your family. Amen? But nonetheless, he's the provider. He will provide for you. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. They shall not lack any good thing. And then Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of your needs? All. How many of your needs? All. Some? All. all. Every need, every need will be provided by the Lord. Amen. According to his riches, not, in, not according to your bank account. Come on, somebody say thank God for that. That he doesn't just supply my needs according to my bank account, but according to his. Amen. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. Now this is something that the sheep would do, that the shepherd would take the sheep and put them in an area where they could graze plentifully. That's basically what sheep do. They just sit around and they graze. Amen. 
And uh, so he, he brings them to a place, not just a dry piece of land, but he leads them to a place where there's pasture, where there's greenery, where there's something for them to eat. So green pastures represents sub sustenance. He's taking care of his sheep by putting them in a place where they can eat properly. He nourishes his sheep. That's what the shepherd does. He nourishes his sheep. The scripture says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's your pasturing place. Amen. The word of God, when we feed on God's word, we're in that green pasture. We're in that lush grass where the Lord would have us to be feeding and to be nourished. Amen. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. Amen. Then he leads me beside the still waters. Sheep like to drink from still waters. If they're in a place where there's a rushing little river coming by, they're a little bit skittish of that. So the shepherd would go a little bit upstream and block off that flowing water and slow it down so that where the sheep would drink, it would be calm water. It would be still. Sheep like calmness. I'm a sheep. I'm one of God's sheep. I like calmness. Don't you? <laughs> okay, let's ask it this way. How many of you love turmoil? Now, nobody's going to raise their hand to that. We don't love turmoil. We love, we love peace and we love calm. And it's God Almighty who will lead us to a place of still waters. Psalm 107, verse 29. You can jot these down if, <clears throat> if you'd like. Look them up later. But it says, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. God makes the storm a calm. Woo! Hallelujah. I know I'm sitting down right now, but I just almost feel like standing up and running. Uh, he makes the storm a calm. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been in a storm? I mean a spiritual storm. All hell is breaking loose upon you. Everything's coming against you. And you're looking for the answer and you're wondering how in the world you're going to get through this storm. And then God comes and he brings a calmness right in the midst of that storm. Ever experienced that? I have many, many times. I trust in my future many, many more times. He will be the calmness in my storm. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. There's a time when we just need to be still, when we need to hear from God. We need to get beside those still waters. Let him block up all of the confusion. Let him stop all of the rushing water all around you so that you can sit in a place and that you can beside the still waters just drink of the spirit of the Lord. Drink of his presence. Amen. We need that, church. We need that often, I would say from time to time, but we need that often. Amen. And then he restores my soul. He is the restorer of your soul today. Psalm 51, verse 12, as David was crying out in repentance for his sin with Bathsheba, 
He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore joy unto me. God is a restorer, amen. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is someone who can take your, your messed up life and turn it around and make something of it. <clears throat> I like that little chorus we used to sing years ago, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and, and ruin or whatever the song said, brokenness and pain. And he made something beautiful of my life. Amen. Is that your testimony today? That God has turned your life around? That God has made what the enemy tried to destroy into something beautiful? The enemy tried to destroy your soul, but God made your soul a beautiful thing. Amen. Today, <clears throat> he's the restorer of your soul. Not only is God a restorer of our soul, but he uses us to bring restoration to those who need restoration as well. Amen? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's a good verse. That's a good verse. We should not be judgmental against people. We should be restorers of people. Amen. Sometimes we look at people's situation and we might shake our heads in the natural and say, man, that guy's too far gone. That gal is too far gone. Nothing can ever happen for him. Nothing can ever happen for her. And in the natural, we may look at someone that way, that, but we need to grab a hold of that thought inside of our minds and inside of our hearts and say, no, that's not true. That's God's creation. And God Almighty has the power to turn that person around. God Almighty has the power to restore that one to the place where he would have them to be, which would be prosperity, prosperity and success and salvation and peace for that individual. Amen. So if you see someone overtaken in a fault, you're not supposed to go there and to condemn them, pour salt on the wounds, but be a spiritual helper. Amen. Try to reason with them, with the scriptures, and show them how much God loves them, cares about them. Amen. He restores my soul. He leads me in the way of righteousness for his name's sake. <clears throat> Before the Lord got a hold of your life, you were following after your own lusts of your own flesh, doing your own thing. And sometimes we kept spinning around and spinning around and spinning around and going nowhere fast, doing the same old dumb things, getting in the same old trouble, having the same old lack in our life, having the same confusion in our lives until Christ steps in and changes our hearts. And he becomes our righteousness. The Bible says that he is the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord, my righteousness. Amen. 
And so he becomes our righteousness. And then at that point in time, he teaches us how to walk in righteousness. How to do the right things in the world instead of the wrong things. How to make the right choices in life instead of the wrong choices. Doesn't mean that we'll never make a mistake as a Christian, but for the most part, we have him leading us and guiding us all the time. And if we're just listening to him, he will lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Hmm, that's, that sounds a little peculiar. Why for his name's sake? Because you and I have been created for the glory of God. We, have been, we are made in the image of God for his honor and his glory. Everything that we see in this world is all for his honor and his glory. So he leads us in the way of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When people see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. And that's what he says. He leads me in the way of righteousness for his name's sake. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, in, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. So he leads us in the pathway of righteousness. How? Through sound doctrine, through reproving us, through correcting us, and through giving us instruction as how to walk in righteousness. As we do that, we glorify his name in the earth. So he leads me in the way of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Even in the shadow of death itself, David says, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Amen. How many martyrs there have been in the Christian church from the time of Stephen, the church's first martyr, to this present day? How many that have given their lives for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have said no to the world, who have said no to governments, who have said no to people, who have said, bow your knee before me and not before Christ. They refused and said, no way. I only bow my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what situation we are in, even if we're in the very shadow of death itself, Christ is right there with us. This good shepherd, our good shepherd, is with us always. Amen. And those martyrs went through what they went through, knowing that Christ was right there with them. And he will be there for you. And he will be there for me. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. Christ is with us now. Jesus is here in this place. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our salvation. He is our deliverer. And he is among us. And even though we go through the shadow of the valley of death, he'll be there with us. So the psalmist says, David says here, I, I will not fear. I made up my mind. I'm not going to be fearful. Amen? We need not fear. 
I go to the hospital a lot of times when some of you are going in for a surgery or whatever to be with you to pray just that last moment or two before they give you that shot and take you away on the gurney. Because I know that sometimes people are in that situation and they're just a little bit nervous about going in there and having somebody cut them open with a knife or whatever they're going to do to you to try to fix you up. It doesn't always go just exactly according to plans. So I'd rather pray before we go in. I wouldn't care if you were having an ingrown toenail operated on. I'd pray over you. Amen. I want God's hand to be on you. Amen. But sometimes we do get a little bit fearful in the natural. And I'm just there to pray with you and to agree with you in prayer and to remind you, whether I quote this verse of scripture or another, just to remind you that you don't have to fear anything because Christ is with you here. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. A sound mind. A sound mind is not a fearful mind. A sound mind is not a confused mind. A sound mind is not worrying. A sound mind is a mind filled with Christ and his love. He's given to us power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Some people believe that there were two different instruments mentioned here, a rod and a staff. Some scholars say that it's one and the same, used for two different things. And either way, that's okay with me. I would just think it's the shepherd's staff that he has because he could definitely use that same thing to do both of these things. He's my comforter. His rod and his staff are there to comfort me. The shepherd's staff was used to defend his sheep from wild animals. And a shepherd would do that. David did that with a bear and a lion. <laughs> David was a, a fighting man, amen. And he, he defended his sheep. And in that illustration, uh, we see the same thing where God Almighty defends you as his sheep. His rod and his staff are there for your comfort, to defend you against the enemy. And then also, that staff was to lead and guide his sheep along when they were straying away or getting off course or getting away from the others. He would use that, that shepherd's hook to bring them back in, keep them with the fold, keep them with the flock. Oh, how many people today need to be in the flock of God? How many people today need to be in the fold and they're playing loosey-goosey with Jesus and they're not attached to the body of Christ. My heart breaks when I, when I see people like that. They, they're missing out on something. They, they don't have an understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And the shepherd would lead and guide his sheep and keep them together in that, in that flock, in that herd. Amen. So his, shep, his shepherd's hook is there to lead us and to guide us, it is also there 
to defend us against our enemies. He prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies. Oh, hallelujah, that's a great verse of scripture. That God Almighty, the enemy can come against you. The Bible says that he may come against you in one direction, but he's gonna flee before you in seven different directions. When you're obeying God, when you're walking with God, when you're following along this path of righteousness for his name's sake, you can depend on that. When we get out of the way and we get out of the, out of the fellowship with God, we get over there by ourselves. And he says just the opposite. The enemy will come against you in one direction and you'll flee before him in seven different ways. So, I'd rather be with him and a part of him, hooked up with him, so that my enemy, though he comes around me and encamps against me, you know, sometimes you feel like the enemy's got you surrounded. Does that ever get that hard for you? You feel like, oh man, I'm going through the fire and the enemy is just all around me. This is something that you need to always know. God has our enemies surrounded. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, around you the enemy may come from the north and the south and the east and the west. He may be coming against you, but around them is our God. Amen. In other words, God's got your back. People may be backbiting you. People might be talking about you behind your back. People might be tearing you up, coming against you, saying all manner of evil against you falsely. But God's got your back. And he's got those folks in his sights. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Because God goes to battle for you. Your family can rise against you. People can come against you. Your neighbors, your friends at work, the people that you work with, they can come against you. But God will always be there for you. For you. Amen. He prepares that table before me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. He anoints my head with oil to where my cup runs over. Oil is used to bring healing like a salve to the sheep where their wounds were, uh, where they had calloused wounds and scabs and uh, things from getting caught in places where uh, they got hung up oil would be poured on to bring healing. He anoints my head, David says, he anoints my head with oil. He anoints my head with oil. The anointing of God is the oil of the Holy Spirit that he pours out upon us. God fills us to overflow so that his love spills out of us onto other people. Amen. That's how full we want to be, right, church? It's not just about me. It's not just about you. Oh, God, fill us with your glory. Yes. God, fill us with your spirit. Yes. God, fill us with your presence. Yes. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. The song we sang today, as the deer pants after the, the water, so does my soul pant after God. Yeah, we want God in our lives. But 
it doesn't just stop there. We're not just supposed to be a cistern that collects the water of God, collects the oil of God, but we're supposed to be a conduit in which God flows that oil into us and then out from us unto other people. <laughs> when you're bitter and when you're hateful and when you're angry and when you allow things to get you all upset and you allow your focus to be on this person over here and that person over there, the oil of God isn't flowing through you properly like it ought to. And so he wants us to have a, a smooth flow of his oil being poured into us and then being poured out of us onto other people. <clears throat> That's why he always gives us more than enough. Isn't that great? More than enough. God gives to us more than enough. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. Above and beyond, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond everything that we have need of. Amen. And then God's goodness and mercy, he says, will follow me all the days of my life. Aren't you glad of that, church? That his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. God's goodness speaks of his providence and his provision in our lives. The goodness of God puts us in places where he would have us to be so that we could be blessed. It's the goodness of God that leads us even unto repentance. Amen. Causes us to see our sinfulness. Causes us to break down and, and to break away from our sins. God's goodness in our life. His goodness. And then his mercy speaks of his forgiveness. The mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. And it's there for us each and every morning. When you arise in the morning, his mercy is new unto you. Yesterday I sinned. Yesterday I, I blew it. Yesterday I popped my cork. Yesterday I allowed anger to get the best of me. But today God gives to me new mercy. And he says, your sins are blotted out. You're forgiven. Get up and walk in the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> and then he says, wraps it up with these words here. I will dwell in God's house forever. I will dwell in God's house forever. Now, he's certainly not talking about the four walls of this building. Amen? He's certainly not talking about the four, will, the four walls of a building whereby uh, we're going to dwell in this house forever. How many of you would really be excited about that? Not me. I mean, I like these red pews. I like this red carpeting. I like that stained glass window. I mean, man, talk about creature comforts. We've got them. Amen? But I don't want to dwell here forever. So David wasn't just talking about a physical place, a temple, that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to be with God forever in his forever house. David said in Psalm 27, verse 4, that this was the most important thing to him. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Hallelujah. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm glad to be able to dwell here in this house with you guys in this temporal uh, building that I'm in right now. This is just a tent that we live in. Our spirit is an eternal thing that will live on forever. I'm grateful for this temple that I'm in right now. I'm grateful for this temple or this sanctuary, this place of worship that I'm in with you right now here in this place. I'm grateful for that. But I'm looking for that place where I will dwell with him forever and ever. David says, I'm going to dwell with him all the days of my life. So as long as he was living, as long as he was breathing, his, his place was to be in the temple of the Lord and to be giving worship and praise unto God. But he was looking actually for that far greater place that we would all dwell with the Lord forever and ever. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He has given his life for you and I, his sheep. Amen. Let's pray.